Hello, and welcome to another episode of Melissa Time. It's Melissa Time once again, and I am your host, Melissa Diaz, a comedian originally from New York City, based out of Austin, Texas, currently. Future me? Who knows where I'll end up? Hmm. Based on the way the global economy's going, I might just end up telling jokes in a compound somewhere in a cave where I grow my own cabbages to make sauerkraut with. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know. Anyway, I've had a pretty crazy week. I have had some nice parts of the week, some disappointments, some some uh, uppers, some downers. I hope you had a good week. I don't know what you've been into, but uh, maybe it's been something good. Maybe something interesting. I have no idea. But whatever you're, whatever you're getting into, I hope, I hope you're doing it, and I hope it's doing it for you, and I hope it's going somewhere. And if it isn't, don't worry about it. We're all gonna die, so don't worry about it. Just keep doing it. It doesn't matter. It, it's it's what it's or rather it's the only thing that matters for you you're making your your story happen right now so don't lose faith don't give up keep plugging away and you know it's like the never-ending story man you the nothing is gonna eat everything away anyway right it's your job to lose everything and then when you're left with just nothingness and empty space and it's just you face to face with the empress of Neverland, that you can build the world anew and you can realize the power that you have inside of you and build everything up again from scratch over and over and over again, no matter how many times it takes. Because what the hell else are you gonna do? Although I don't know. Sometimes I think it's, for, it's necessary for some people when they're at the end of their rope to not try to build anything from scratch, to not try for a second, to maybe just kind of sink into hopelessness, just so you can just kind of lie underground, like a little seed, you know, or like the earth, like lie fallow, so that you can build up your strength again, build up your health or something. Even then, though, you got to build something up. You can't just fall into disrepair because the human body falling into disrepair just because you lost everything and you don't know how to build yourself up again. At the very least, you got to maintain your health because falling into complete disrepair, disrepair, the human body isn't really equipped for that. You know, everything you do stays with your body to some degree, like... I had all the piercings I had in high school. I got those holes all over the place. Some of them give me fond memories, some of them don't. But they all, I guess, serve as a reminder of how easy it is to puncture your body. And um, that helps me, it motivates me to stay away from sharp objects. So hey, lesson learned, I like to think so. But anyway, Wherever you are in your process, wherever, whatever level of hope or despair or faith led, you know, striving that you're in, uh, yeah, I hope you're, uh, I hope you're doing well, no matter what, just take care of yourself. And 
I will do the same. For me, let's see. I think the part of the never-ending story I'm at currently is... Here, I'll tell you what happened. I'll give you some context first. So I had a comedy competition that I was doing last Friday. I was in the second round. I'm at a place, I think, with stand-up where I know what I'm capable of, but I have a hard time, I have a hard time having faith that everybody else will know what I'm capable of, which is a weird place to be in because the only way for people to know what you're able to do as an audience is to just show them. But then if I'm not sure that they know, then I lack the confidence to show them sometimes. Like sometimes it just gets to me, I get in my head. And I think it's pretty much been something I've struggled with my entire comedy career is, is just that weird, you know, circular logic of, you know, circular self-doubt that's, it's just irrational. And the only, you know, the only way out of it is to just do my set. And yet I sometimes, I don't know, especially if it's a high stakes situation. And, and this isn't even like huge stakes. This was just some local competition. It was nice, well-produced, really cool, you know, nice to be a part of. Uh, but it's not, I don't know, I'm not auditioning for SNL, for example, right? That's super high stakes. But this, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't know. I, whenever I get into a high stakes situation, I get so, it's like a cascade effect of resentment and self-loathing because I have hope for winning something and I hate that I do. And, I, and at the same time, I resent having to basically put myself up as if I'm auctioning myself out to people over and over again. And that's, that's, that's just not healthy, it's stupid. It's, um, I mean, the nature of stand-up is that you get up on stage, you sell yourself every time. And I have no problem doing it usually when the stakes are low, right? Like if I can exchange my comedy set for uh, a thumbs up and a drink ticket, for some reason that's more acceptable to me than doing it for I don't know, the respect of my peers. Something about that I I just have a mental block about. And I don't even know why exactly. I just wanna fucking I just wanna be able to fucking get on stage, you know? And it's just I just it annoys me, I think, to have to do it to people who already have seen me be good somehow that high stakes environment makes it so that they're like judging me again and it's like you already saw me and now we're doing this weird charade where you're pretending you didn't for the benefit of this audience but it uh it's valid right because if because I, because in those situations sometimes i just can't perform i get like erectile dysfunction you know what i mean and it just kind of affects me. And then sometimes I, and I won't do as well in situations like that. Every other situation I'm fine and better even, but I don't know what the hell that is. It's a weird, but anyway, it's been happening for years now. 
And the thing is, I really thought I kicked it this time and I was ready for this competition. And I, I was like, yeah, I can, I can do this. I think I, I have managed to get a handle on my psychology well enough to not let this get to me and not feel so counterproductive, you know, not, not get in my own way. Right. And then I don't know, I think something about the way I was preparing, I was drinking too much water, I was getting too hyped up, but then I wasn't kind of in the headspace I needed to be. And then I mistimed when I was going to get on to perform. And I was, uh, we're doing a competition round where like I do a set, a comic does a set, and then the audience decides, right? So I, I don't know why, but I just didn't, I had a brain fart. I didn't know I was next. So I was, I was in the bathroom. I went to go pee because I drank so much water. I was just constantly peeing. And then uh, I was like finishing up. I'm like relaxed. I'm ready to go, right? I'm about to wash my hands. And then I'll, and then I hear them call my name and I had to like run out, you know, like put my, pull my pants on, put run out. I didn't get to wash my hands. And then I ran on stage and I don't know, something about that just threw me off. And then I felt weirdly ashamed of not having washed my hands like they knew that like they knew the audience knew and then the audience was also a little weird from earlier some girl was screaming about racism or some shit and then her her party decided to that this wasn't for them and that they were going to vote with their dollars and leave so they you know fucking left and good riddance right but it made the the crowd a little weird too and then it and then all of that it doesn't seem like much, but for me, that's a perfect storm to, to put me right back in that situation. I don't know why, you know, because it's also, you know, you have an audience that already has no faith in the, the show, right? For, for whatever reason, right? They, they, um, they, they don't expect anybody good, right? I have me who's been completely thrown off my mental, but then I also have me, I was like walking around I think I was building myself up too much to where I was almost not not really grounded. I was more in my head than I was on my feet, if that makes sense. Head in the clouds, right? So it just kind of put me back to a more vulnerable headspace. When I feel, you know, they said that you should be feel vulnerable on stage, but I think there's a level level of being vulnerable that that passes real raw vulnerability and goes into something that I struggle with, which is um, being vulnerable about flaws that, or, or uh, perceptions that don't exist, right? Being vulnerable about people seeing me in ways that actually aren't there, th that don't exist, you know what I mean? Like seeing myself as more of a piece of shit than I actually am. Very, very bad. So you, sh you always want to know exactly how much of a piece of shit you are. You don't want to go too far because that, that's bigger, more shit than you're carrying, right? Which um, it's like you're selling people the wrong product, right? You're like, this pizza fucking, it tastes like stale cheese, right? And it's like a perfectly good slice, you know? And it's like, if you want to sell people a slice of stale cheese, pizza then do it right but if it's not even that then it just has a weird effect of you i mean you just kind of look like a liar but a weird liar you're 
you're underselling something so much that it almost makes it so, kind of it throw it I think it just becomes distracting and I think that's kind of what happens to me I because you know because I have like I have uh, I have problems with them uh, with the way I see myself I think it's from reading books and always kind of being in my head I I just project a version of myself into the world that's who I think I am but it's it's not always exactly who I am and it's easily affected by whatever's happening because it's not real you know it's um it's a facade or it's it's kind of like what I'm play acting in my head at the time I hope this makes sense and doesn't just sound like I have psychotic breaks occasionally that's not quite what it is it's just that's how I am and so uh yeah it was it was weird it really it was such a bummer I mean I, I had a good set ultimately but it was rough up top and I know the crowd was weird but really it was it was mostly me you know the crowd it's not you it really isn't the audience's fault ever it doesn't matter what they do it really really doesn't and they're a part of the show always they're really they're an important part the yin and yang of, of a stand-up show you know they're they're one side but you're you're supposed to be there you know destroying which i mean i guess that makes stand-up comics the chaotic part of the yin and yang we're right we're like the dark chaos right we and they are the people that have created civilization and we're there to tell them that they're stupid and um maybe gay or maybe not or that their world is i don't know gay but it's um it really it threw me off because i thought i was past that and i'm not as much as I want to be so it was like all of these things that I was fighting to try to be able to handle myself on stage in any situation all of those things didn't matter because ultimately the per the thing that's in my way is myself so I guess the part of the never-ending story that I'm actually at is that part where the kid faces himself in the looking glass and then they look at each other's faces and um i guess the native american kid in neverland sees that he's a pasty kid in an attic and and he screams to realize it and then the kid in the attic screams because he realizes that he's not white <gasps> and then they scream at that at that to in each other's faces and um uh the, yeah that's kind of where i'm at it's I don't know I'm gonna have to process this and think about it and for a while and maybe it's overthinking maybe I should just not think and start just doing or I don't know I don't know what the solution to this is um, it's a real fucked up thing though because what it means is I am in my own way when it comes to stand-up comedy and stand-up comedy is the only thing that I enjoy doing to that degree nothing else has ever come close so if i want to do the one thing i love the most i have to somehow get out of my own way and i uh, i don't know how to do that so that was i don't know it's a lot to think about i'm glad that the next day i was headed to south padre island for the weekend and it was a good way to 
to relax and get away from everything to to not feel so bad i guess if i had to stay in austin i'd probably just be moping around mics and pissed off or whatever but it was nice because i mean it was sort of nice south padre island is a strip that just kind of that parallels the coast of south of south texas and it's like an estuary i don't know what the hell that thing is but it's just a strip of sand and it's really pretty it's a strip of sand and then on one side is the ocean waves in the ocean and on the other side is like us um the sand goes up into a bluff a grassy hilly area where I, you know, when we were driving in with the cars, I see a lot of people sit on the bluff, couples and stuff. I don't know, jerking each other off. But so you can't see the road because of that bluff. So when you go in uh, through an entrance point, uh, it's just the sand and the water. And then the bluff kind of blocks your view of everything else. So you don't have to see South Padre. You don't have to see anything. No stores. And it's, uh, it's nice. So we decided to camp out for the night. And at first, that looked like a really good idea because it's it's nice. It's kind of quiet and a lot of families go there and camp and spend the night there as well. So we were like, okay, this would be cool. So we did that. We set up a little tent. I mean, we don't know what the hell we're doing. So we set up a, a tent kind of shitty and we got an inflatable mattress that barely fit in the goddamn thing. But we managed to squeeze it in. And we brought our own pillows and a blanket and, you know, we were just uh, hanging out. We had some lawn chairs, looking up at the stars, waiting for people to leave. Because we thought that once most people left, that it would get quieter. And that's where we were fucking wrong. Because it got busier the later it got, like up until two, three in the morning. First of all, we're sitting there in the lawn chairs trying to look up at the stars. We see, we're like, is that a UFO? And then we start looking because it, we keep seeing high beams just blinding us as these Dodge Rams drive by over and over and over again. And they're just driving in circles. Like we're right next to an entrance point. They're driving into it. And then to the, uh, they're driving down to the other entrance point a few miles away and then coming back around again. Or I don't know what the fuck it was. But these Dodge Rams with their high beams on, just like a search party for a missing girl, right? And that's just blasting. And and so is Footloose for some reason. Somebody's pay- playing like the hits from just every American movie from the 20th century. And so we have Grease and Footloose and all this. And then on the other side, you got Despacito and all this shit. And then around 10 p.m., Four these four fucking people, two guys, two girls, they come and they set up their truck right next to us, just a few feet away. And the girl, one of the girls, well, both of the girls are screaming along to reggaeton lyrics that are coming from the truck, right? They got the high beams on. The dudes, they go and take a dip and come back. And then these motherfuckers light a fire like a big log they throw on the ground just a couple feet away from our friggin tent the sparks are flying towards our tent big log on fire they just start knocking back smirnoff mangoes 
and then talking about gringos for 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 hours i don't even know what i couldn't quite make out what they were saying it was in spanish but they were like something 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 gringos and when i have the gringos in the palm of my hand you know what i'm saying right and just knocking back smearing off mangoes and the girls are screaming despacito lyrics and they're insane, right? And so we're just trying to sleep at this point, and we just can't. So now we're just looking up at the stars, but like in a gloomy way, and um, and just kind of looking at them out of the corner of our eyes, because it's like, well, there goes uh, this whole idea. And they stayed there till like two, three in the morning, just getting fucked up. And at some point, because I saw the charred remains of chancletas on the fire and some clothes. At some point they started throwing their clothes into the fire. I don't know why. I don't know what the fuck they did. I don't know, I don't know. And then and then they finally drove off. I don't know where they went. I think they went to go I don't know, drive over the baby sea turtles that were trying to get to the ocean a few miles away and then they were gone finally. And then so we thought we could sleep and then right then and there is when a herd of mosquitoes came and just started biting the shit out of us so we were like slapping away mosquitoes until 4 a.m finally out of sheer exhaustion uh we passed out and got some sleep and then we woke up and then that was the pretty part because it was gorgeous the sunrise you know pink and purple sky and um, pelicans flying in like a little v formation over the Water, if you ever seen pelicans fly, they fly beautifully, right? The water is beautiful. Everything's, it's like nothing, it's, it's like we had a nightmare. And then the beach. So then we took a dip and had, and then, you know, went to a diner and, and headed back. But I don't even know what to think of that trip. It was so, so many ups and downs. It was, it was all right. It was fun, I guess. But there is nowhere to escape from people anymore. The middle income demographic has exploded worldwide uh people have figured it out they 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 figured out how to get disposable income enough to go and be a nuisance at a beach and that's that's the end of that you cannot go anywhere anymore without hundreds and hundreds of people just completely bum rushing the same place you're trying to get to it's like you can't even go to Mount Everest. You ever seen those the online picture of Mount Everest where you have a line of people going to the top of Mount Everest. There's a there's a line at the top of Mount Everest now. A line. It's just people that want to go take pictures of themselves for Instagram and shit, right? You got the Sherpas. These people are dying so that these fucking tourists can get to the top of Mount Everest safely and snap a pic of themselves with duck face and their asses on the on the peak and then they make their way back down sherpas just fucking falling off the sides of the mountain in the meantime just trying to get these fucking tourists back home safe or whatever and and there's a line there's there is a line and uh they're packed close together they're just trying to it's single file they try to get to the peak take a picture and go back down it's that's insane and it's because there's just too many people there's too many people with good jobs now. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's great. I'm glad that the poverty index ha had improved. I know it got worse with the pandemic, but Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Can 
I don't know. That's the only thing to look forward to the metaverse about is the fact that um, maybe people will stay home more. And then you could just kind of know that these areas are still pristine and not that they've slowly built a strip mall at the top of Mount Everest with a Starbucks, right, and a, and a jewelry store. So you could buy your stupid bitch a fucking gold diamond necklace when you get to the top of Mount Everest because whatever, she she's banging you and you're some fucking code bro, crypto guy, right, who has enough money for that. And, and then... And then the place starts to fill up more and more, the top of Mount Everest, because now it's, it's safe to go to the staircase they built into the rock, got Starbucks, is there an AMC movie theater maybe at the top of Mount Everest, right? You got a little bathroom where teenagers can go huff paint and spray cans or whatever the fuck. They can do whippets while their parents go and try to rekindle their the love that they lost from their marriage. They're distracted with that and their kids are just huffing paint or whatever. And then it just gets more and more crowded with these people. Maybe like a cheesecake factory opens up, right? So that attracts the fatter people, the bigger. And now, now Mount Everest, which used to be dangerous because it was a challenge to climb and scale the side of a, of a mountain peak that high. Now it becomes dangerous just for the sheer fact that there's just too many fucking people there and they're pushing and shoving each other and people start falling off the mountain, right? Is that what's eventually gonna happen in this world? This beautiful, beautiful world? Who knows? I don't know, man. It's, did the future, you know, did the, the technology, the prospect of what technology was going to do and progress was going to do to to civilization did it ever seem as bleak as it does now for us you know between thinking about how digital money is going to make people easier to control and surveillance and all the shit that they're putting like they're put in in cars you know they'll have uh, alcohol level detectors right and then your car just shuts down and you can't drive anywhere just because they just determined that you're not allowed because of your alcohol levels you know what i mean it's like did i don't think anything ever felt that way uh, the invention of the car and the plane and the telephone even the internet like all that stuff made it feel like like the world was getting bigger and connected smaller i guess in that way that people were more connected but but broader in terms of possibility and now it seems like everything we invent for technology the possibility always narrows itself down to control and being watched you know did that ever happen before i don't think so man and the ai shit and the Robots becoming sentient. Like, nothing feels... Nothing we're doing feels good. Maybe space exploration, because that's the only chance you have to get away from all of this, is to go terraform Mars, you know? I don't know. I hope things don't turn out to be as shitty as they seem to be turning out to be. 
But the fact of the matter is, it's like, I don't think any of us are even smart enough to understand what's happening. I'm not, right? I kind of know, but not really. What the fuck is going on? All I know is that everything is making me feel like buying some land in a mountain and growing my own crops and hunting my own meat and just hiding until it's over or something. I don't know. I don't want the chip implant, that's all. They're gonna put that chip in you? Uh, no, thank you. I just wanna not have a chip in me. Can we do that? I don't think that's, I don't think it's gonna, I don't know. I think the chip is gonna happen like in our lifetime. That's gonna suck. They're already doing the Neuralink research and and it's already a necessity, you know, because it's like, it's like get the chip or we have to drag around these stupid bricks that we call cell phones with us from, from now until death because they're so useful that we need them to function in society. But it's like you have to lug around stupid flat brick just so you can use Google Maps and all this stuff. I mean, it's just going to be more practical to shove a chip in your head and be able to have a constant stream of data accessible to you at all times in your head. Sounds, I mean, it sounds cool, but it also sounds creepy. I just hope we don't end up like the Borg. Everything about Star Trek Next Generation, it's its like, it seems like we're the civilization that does all of the shitty things that Captain Luke Picard and his crew uh, avoid, you know? Everything. The, the Borg especially. The collectivist thing, assimilation, and I don't know. Doesn't seem to be a good time for individuality. But that could be just the fact that I'm pissed off about that competition. Maybe. These are just sour grapes. Maybe every time I get depressed about some personal failing, I'm just going to blame it on progress. That's a good thing to do after a while, right? Once you get old enough, you could do that. I think that's the whole point of being old. You just blame everything on these newfangled doohickeys, ruining everything. It's not me. I didn't fail myself. It was, it was the future. The future failed me. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, I have been yapping for a while and I think I'm done. So I'm gonna upload this. Hopefully you listened to it. If you did and you're here, thank you so much. I appreciate it, right? You didn't have to and you did and I'm so glad you did. I'm glad somebody's listening. That's pretty cool. So do it again next week when I record another episode and it'll be good to hear from you. And uh, yeah, and I hope it's good to hear from me. So anyway, if you like what you hear, if you like this podcast, you better like, subscribe, and follow. Uh, yeah, that's it. And thanks again for listening. So I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.